and talk about the news media. Romans chapter 1. Um, we finished up the chapter last time, I, but I want to go back up and uh, just kind of clean up a few things here and uh, demonstrate a couple things in, in verses 24 through 28. Just one more time, really three verses specifically. Uh, verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affection, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of, of, woman, of the woman, burned in their own lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their errors which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Verse 29, being filled with. So the issue there at the end of verse 27, that recompense of their error, uh, that issue is that issue down now in that list in verse 29, 30, 31, and 32. And the result of what did man do, then what did God do? So in, in the, this section here, again, Paul is laying in that first charge of the willfulness of man to reject the testimony of God, which they did. Verse 19 and 20, God clearly puts within man that understanding, that knowledge that there is a God, that he is, then man's response to it was, in, in verse 21, 22, and 23 there, to not glorify God, to de-glorify God, and to go their own way and cause them have their own, uh, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, to have their own thing, and then God's response, verse 24, wherefore God also, I love that also, who, 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 who acted first? Man did. So then God, wherefore God also, now God's going to react, and, he, and we went last time, look back at Genesis 11 where he does this, and he gave up man. And he gives up man in, in the three parts of man, and that's that issue of the anatomy. He gives up man in the spirit. Need a little more chalk. He gives up man in the soul, and he gives up man in the body. Now, we've looked at this issue when we studied the real you, but here Paul, by the way, Paul reverses this in the, in the God looks at man's spirit, soul, and body. Man goes body, soul, and spirit. So Paul addresses it, verse 24, he says, hey, you're going to dishonor your bodies. Then in verse 26, he gave them up to vile affections. And then in verse 28, he gave them over to a reprobate mind. So here, the vile affections are there. And then the, the issue of the body and... Uh, the, um, he, they defile their bodies, okay? Vile affections are, an affection is an emotion. So they have that emotion. Come over to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Just, I, again, really to kind of look at, remind ourselves of some things here, but then to also, know, it's always interesting to me why Paul says what he says and how he says it. And in, and in Romans 1, 24, 26, 28, 27 in there, he uses the issue of, uh, of uh, a sexual relationship to describe what's going on. And it's very interesting to me that he does that. Anyway, 1 Thessalonians 5, we're going to look at that here as we go. Verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And again, that's the whole, whole of you. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, God says spirit, soul, and body. Man, and in Romans 1, Paul deals with it the way man's looking at. Come over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. <clears throat> 
Hebrews 4 and verse number 12, he, he talks here about the word of God. By the way, this should be reprobate mind. He's talking about the word of God. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. So there's the body. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. The word of God cuts right down into the quick of you. Actually, verse 13 Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So nothing's hid. He lays it all open. It's all naked. It's I mean, there's, it's all revealed. Come back with me to Ephesians chapter 2. So when Paul lays out that first charge... That man is worthy of God's wrath, of God's judgment. He demonstrates it by God, man's willfulness to, to ignore, reject, refuse the, the testimony that God gave him. And God does the one judgment that really was only the judgment really left for he could do because he couldn't wipe man out again because he'd made the promise. And that is he gave up man. He gave man up to. He gave. He just let them go and do what they wanted. They were all, that's why that thing about God also gave them up to. Up That up to. God didn't create man to be this way. Okay? God didn't create man to have, to want to live in a homosexual relationship. He didn't create man to do that. He created man, we'll see in a minute in Psalms 8, for some honor and for some glory. So man was already doing that, and he just let him go, and off he went. Ephesians 2, verse number 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Right there you have also the three components and makeup of man. You are dead in trespasses and sins. Okay? Verse 1, there's your spirit. Verse 2, you're walking according to the course of this world, According to the prince, the power of, your air, of the air, so your soul is darkened. And then in verse 3, you've got that lust of the flesh over here, and there's your body. So even there, you've got the threefold mechanics, the makeup. You've got no God if you're dead. There's no, there's no light coming in, and that's the condition of man. Now come back over with, well, you're here in Ephesians. Look over at chapter 4. Chapter 4. So the natural condition of sinful humanity is what Paul is giving also in Romans 1. Here's, how, here's, here's God's view of sinful humanity. You're dead, you're darkened, you're defiled. That's who you are. The 3Ds. I guess you could be in 3D color. I was looking at LED screens and stuff because thinking about making some changes here. 3D, you know, ooh, <laughs> you know. You got, so you're dead, you're darkened, and you're defiled. And that's how, the, that is the sinful, the condition of sinful humanity. Ephesians 4, verse 17. I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye, henceforth, the ye here are believers members of the body of Christ, members there at the local church at Ephesus, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. There's your spirit. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. There's the soul who being past feelings have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, there's the body. Okay? So you have 
you have this makeup. Now, come back to, to chapter 1 of Romans. So you have the, the, so when he starts here, verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up unto uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Their bodies, they have deglorified God, verse 21, 22, and 23. They have they've taken God and instead of glorifying, they have degenerated him down into something lower than themselves. So they then just naturally then dishonor their own bodies. They dishonor the purpose that God had created man for and gave man some honor and some glory. They took the honor and glory that God had for man, had set for man, and they just threw it in the puddle and walked off. They just got rid of it. They said, we don't want that. We're going to do it ourselves. You know, when you talk to the scientists and the evolution, they say, well, we came from a puddle and we're going to paradise. Well, we were in paradise and now we're in the puddle. So that's what it is. Verse 26, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. There's the soul there's that emotion that's in there. Uh, again, your mind, here's your heart, here's your will. Those are, the, those are the two areas that should be ongoing. This is where your conscience is. That's the stuff that's supposed to be uh, in control of what's going on, accusing or excusing them. We saw there in chapter 2 of Romans. But yet he says, no, you guys are in vile. You, you guys got your emotions running the show. And then verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Reprobate, useless, no account. They've abandoned God. And again, and there's the spirit to do the things which are not convenient. So th this is what man has done when they reject what God says and what God is doing. Come back with me to Genesis chapter 1. God set man, he built into humanity that internal witness, that external witness that he is there. He's the creator, but he is. But man took that, rejected it, began to develop foolish mechanisms in science and in, other, in philosophy and thought to reject that testimony. I, I told you last week or the week before about the matrix idea that's out there, that re reality is really a matrix. It's a big computer running by a big devil guy, a demon guy. And, you know, some scientists and Bond were... Germany, the university there, were trying to develop how to test that theory and everything. And then they realized that they really, well, we can, but we really can't because we're, we become the demon. We become the devil <laughs> and all this other good stuff. So they, they develop those mechanisms to get around. But again, there, they also, wherefore God also. Man, I told you last week, God's a gentleman. If you want it, he'll let you have it. That, that's why the Hebrews 4.12 there, the word of God is a, descent, a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Do you know that you can come to the word of God and make the word of God say whatever you want it to say? Because you can. You can spin the verses, you can twist them, you can make them dance, you can do all that stuff. And you know what? God doesn't smack you upside the head and say, knock it off. He lets you have it because eventually somebody's going to come along with the verse that you didn't think about or consider, and it's going to reveal the true intent of what you're doing. So God gave man what, God, what man wanted. And when that happens, then sin just intensifies. And that's that list down in, in chapter 1 there. 29, 30, 31, 32, of it just getting worse and worse and worse, all the way down to the fact that man is actually enjoying other people doing the same, if not worse. They're celebrating it. Evil sins like a weed, and I got them. 
<laughs> you know. You go over there and you, you get the, the road car, whatever you get, the ground clear stuff. You go to the store and you spray on it, Roundup, you know, whatever, you know, so you can join the lawsuit later. You know, I got, everything gives you cancer. It's unreal. Come on, people. So you get over, or you go and make the homemade stuff. But what happens? If you don't kill the root, what's going to happen? It's coming back. You know, I read a thing the other day about, you know, dandelions and how, and how really they're edible. You can eat them. And I'm like, you're going to eat a weed? But I guess you can. I don't know. So I'm not, wor I'm not really going to try unless we get really desperate because then i got to go find the dandelions because I just killed them all in the yard, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay. But evil's like that weed. It's persistent. You can't get rid of it unless you get rid of the root. Get down deep in it. And actually, that root gets deeper and deeper, deeper and deeper. Look at Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. God created man after his image, the three part of the three. But think about that. He, we made man, he made man, he says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness likeness, glory, and honor, have, having some things going on there. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Three times in those two verses, he says God made man in his image. He uses that image of God three times in those verses. The three parts of humanity. So if you come over to Psalms 8, Psalms 8, when he says he made man in his own image, Psalms 8. Now, if you look at Psalms 104, 104 verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty who covers thyself with light as with a garment, who stretched out the heavens like a curtain. So when he makes Adam and Eve, he clothes them with honor and majesty, and, he make, and they are a light, okay? So when Eve and Adam fall, go back to Psalms 8, their light goes out, and then... He clothes them in, animal, in skin, showing them and teaching them about the, sac the, the sacrifice that they're going to now have to do. But he clothes them in honor and majesty. Now, look at Psalms 8. Psalms 8, verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? What does God care about man? And the son of man that thou visited him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hath crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. He's talking about man there. He's also talking about the Lord the son of man, but think about the man. What did he say there? You, you, you crowned him with glory and honor. So then when you come back to, first, to Romans 1, verse 24, what then does man do? They dishonor God. They, they take what God has, has made man. He, he, he made them... A spirit, a soul, and a body. And man says, we're not going to have God. They, they de-glorify God. So then in verse 24, what did they do? They reach over and they de-glorify themselves. They look over and they say, you know what? To verse 24, to dishonor their own bodies. between there's Now they took how God had created man crowned them, clothed them with majesty and honor and glory to be the rulers in the earth. And man says, nope, we don't want that. 
We want the puddle over here in the mud. We don't want the honor and the glory. You see how man just, and, and Paul, again, just walking away with them. Come over to 1 John chapter 2. Paul, again, the point, we're in the courtroom. I, I keep trying to, th I keep thinking about this as a courtroom. And Paul is laying in the evidence. Because starting in chapter 2 now, we're going to start hearing man's weak defense. And the excuses that he's going to bring up and lay in. And Paul is going to whack them every time. No, guilty. Remember, where were you? Chapter 1. It's interesting in chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's a constant reference back here to this stuff in chapter 1. Of, wait a minute, you, you rejected the testimony and the witness. You don't have a leg to stand on in defense. You're guilty. You're worthy of judgment. You're worthy of wrath. 1 John 2, notice if you will, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. There it is. The lust of the eyes. There they are. And then the pride of life. The three components. They're dishonored. They're they dishonor that the body over there. They have a defy. They defile. They're darkened, and then they're depraved. Actually, it's over there. <laughs> I got my D's. Too many D's. Okay, you under, I think you get the point. Titus chapter one. Titus chapter one. I heard myself. I stepped by that door and I heard myself. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Titus 1, shocking. Titus 1, look at verse 15. Titus 1. Let me clean that up here just real quick. So the body is dishonored, defiled, depraved. Try to give you all the D's I can give you. You get the point, I hope. Man's sunk. <laughs> Not good at all. Titus 1, verse 15. Under the pure, all things are pure. But under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. There's their soul and their spirit. Verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and and dishonor and disobedient and even and unto every good work reprobate. There's their body. The whole system. I'll just point out to you in verse 15 he says unto them that are defiled and unbelieving. You can be a believer and be defiled. And that's what's coming next in the chapter, come back to Romans 1 just real quickly now, because what's going to happen, yes, he is talking to the saints at Rome. Yes, he's writing to believers. Yes, he's laying in the case against humanity in, a broad, in, in the mass. Yes, we're talking about the gospel of Christ. Yes, we're talking about the righteousness of God being revealed, the wrath of God being revealed, and, and all of that. And he's laying in the case. But there's also some things here about, hey, you guys that believe, you saints, you better pay attention because some of your little things that you do over here are coming because of this root issue. And that's that issue of sin. And look at what it does. What does sin do? It denies the testimony. It reduces the idea of God. It restricts. It's, it holds back the righteousness of God. Rejects all everything. Then he starts talking about this issue about dishonoring their own bodies. Then he talks there in verse 26 about the soul and the vile affections. But then he brings up this issue about the women did change the natural use, that which is against nature. And he talks about in verse 27 that unnatural relationships there, sexual by the way. 
Then in verse 28, he gives them over to a reprobate mind, which are going to do the things which are not convenient being filled with, and then that just off they go. Now come over to chapter 6 of Romans. Paul uses a, a, an interesting thing here. Romans 6, look at verse 13. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. This scenario right here, okay, is an instrument of unrighteousness. It's an instrument. It's a tool. And Paul says, you're being, as an unbeliever, or as a believer living like an unbeliever, you're being used not for the purpose that God intended you to be used in, but rather you're being used as an instrument for the advancement of unrighteousness. You catch that? Now, on this side, as a believer, our spirit is to be alive to God. Our soul has the light in it and it's functioning and then our bodies are doing the good works. There's the righteous tool, the instrument of righteousness. You see, but in this condition, you're an instrument of unrighteousness. Come over to chapter, you're in chapter 6, drop down to verse 19. I speak after the manner of man because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants unto, notice that word, uncleanliness, right? Isn't that the same word he used in Romans 1, verse 24? Flip back to chapter 1. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness, uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. There's going to be an issue here now that Paul brings up in chapter 1 about uncleanness. And it's going to be, it's going to intensify. Look at verse 619. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded, given into, let have, let have its way, your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Notice what sin does. It's iniquity unto iniquity. It intensifies. It gets worse and worse, more and more and more. Verse 20, for when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. See, the end of it is death, but he brought up that issue of uncleanness. Come over to chapter 13 of Romans. <clears throat> chapter 13 and verse 12. Chapter 13, verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. The works, behavior, activity, doing, performing, being involved in the works of darkness. So in Romans 1, come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In Romans 1... When Paul makes all these references to the natural use and the sexual relationship stuff, it's in regard to this issue of uncleanliness. Because the issue of sexual activity 
between a husband and a wife is to bring honor and glory back to God and to the Godhead. Because how did he make that stuff in Genesis 1? When he, verse 27, he made them, made, he made them. It's a them. The man, the man and the woman, he made them. You see, marriage brings back that unity that man ripped apart. And where that's, in the marriage, that's why it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, the old joke, you know, okay? Because, and it, by the way, it, it's not Adam and the dog either, or the animal. That's out there. Some lady wanted to marry her cat or something goofy, you know? Well, once you open the, open the door, the flood's coming through, so you, they've done that. But the thing is, is Paul, he, he says, hey, there's a thing here about uncleanliness that is, it's a sexual relationship that's now improper. When in originally, Peter talks about the marriage bed being honorable. See, why is that? Well, because that's where the man and the woman cleave, leave, they, they leave their mom and dad, and they cleave, they become one flesh. That's the activity. What has man done with that? The ultimate description of the sin, degenerative nature of sin, is look at the sexual activity of man. Free love. You know, the 60s. Actually, that goes on all the time. They just word it differently. And you know what it does? It gets worse and worse and worse. And the ultimate expression of the body's and, and, and man and the issue of how God created them with honor and with glory and man is this issue here, 2 Corinthians 12, i got to get there, and the fact is is what man did was pervert it. Now you come in and you have, you're an instrument, you're a tool for uncleanliness. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 21. Just, I just want you to notice how Paul talks about this now throughout his epistles. It's very fascinating. And he's not being, you know, pornographic or lewd. He's saying, look, guys, your actions, you know, a, a sexual encounter is something far, far deeper than the physical act. There's an emotional side to it. And what man has is a vile affection, They've allowed that emotional side of it to run. And in sin, it's, it's what? More and more and more and more. Give me more. It's not like the pig at the trough, you know. Because they don't have any way, their reprobate mind, to control it and to stop it. Now, as a believer, we do. We have the Word of God. We have understanding, knowledge, wisdom, and so forth. But the problem is, is even believers will act like the unbeliever. Second, uh, Second Corinthians twelve twenty one, and least when when I come again, my God will humble me among you, that I should bewail many which have sinned already, and have not repented of the uncleanness, and fornication and lasciviousness, which they have committed. Now he's talking to believers at Corinth who are bad behavior. I'm going to bewail them, but notice, the, the, notice the, where the bad behavior is. It isn't in drinking. It isn't in smoking. It isn't in doing drugs, which, by the way, they had all back there in the Greek culture. They make us today look like kindergarten. You read the records. He goes right to where? The sexual environment, fornication, lasciviousness. Uh, that's uncontrolled sexual behavior is what that word is talking about. Uncontrollable. They, they are, they're just on it. And they're not going, uh, um, this little booklet, being lustful, loose, or lewd, promoting lustful desires in others. It's, it's just uncontrolled sexual behavior. What they're doing to their bodies is not what God wanted done. Come over to Galatians 5. We'll be back to the Corinthians here in just a minute. Galatians 5. Galatians 5 and verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Drinking, murder, smoking, chewing, 
movie watching. No, look at the first three or four there. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. The first four are sexual in nature. He'll talk about being effeminate. That's the homosexual stuff and everything. But the first four in the list of the works of the flesh are, are sexual in nature. Then, by the way, the, the fifth one is idolatry, which is covetousness, you know. Then witchcraft, hate, and all the others. But the first four, why? Because God had given man and kind in the body's honor and glory, and they have defiled that. They've taken the, the crowning achievement that God had placed in humanity the issue of reproduction and, and so forth and, and, and of one flesh, and they have violated it completely. Come back over there to Ephesians 4, where we read just a minute ago. We'll do one, one of those verses. You see, the Ephesians 4. But look over at Ephesians 5, just real quick here. Ephesians 5, look at verse 30. For we're members of his body, talking about Christ, of his flesh and of his bones. We have this identity where we are united one with Christ. We're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, and so forth. Well, what is man doing with that? They're trying to hide that. They're trying to hold it back and say, you know what? I can have more... that's one's not enough over here, so they're they're destroying that. Four nineteen, who being past feelings have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. <laughs> That's not a good thing. Greediness, greed. You gotta have more, more. It's mine. Come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This one is an interesting one here. Here's the great church at Thessalonica. Thriving church, growing into the word, learn the word, sounding out the testimony, doing what they have, and yet they still, they're having something going on internally. And, and Paul addresses it. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse number 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye abstain from... Wait a minute, fornication? Well, hang on, it doesn't get, that, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence. Well, there's another word, <laughs> concupiscence, the, the, that sexually charged, intense desire. even as the Gentiles which know not God. See how Paul drug it right back to the Gentiles and how they don't know God? That unsaved guy. You guys are starting to live like them. And in the area of concern is the area of the sexual relationships of fornication and concupiscence. See what my little thing says about that. It's just fascinating. I was going to bring out the strong lust, passion. That's what it is. Keep reading. Verse 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness. Isn't that interesting? That word popped up again. And, I'm, I'm sorry, but unto holiness. Let no man go beyond and defraud his brother. A lot of people talk about that and so forth, and they yank that out of its context. The context of that verse sits in a sexual encounter, a sexual relationship. How do you defraud your brother that way? How did David, King David, defraud his best man, Uriah? How did he defraud him? He slept with his wife. Then he had the mechanism to go try and get... You know, David calls Uriah back during the heat of the battle. David calls Uriah back thinking he... To, you know, Bathsheba's pregnant. So I'll just call dad home and give him a R&R for a weekend. And then when she comes up pregnant, it'll just be Uriah's kid. Problem is, is Uriah was a man of honor. 
and said, I'm not going to go on R&R when my men are fighting on the battlefield. So he slept on the steps of the capital, the, the, the throne room there. And finally, David had to go have him killed to get him back, you know. <laughs> he never went home. You see? But what it sin do? It just made it worse and worse and worse. How he defrauded was to sleep with Uriah's wife, with Bathsheba. Come back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. These guys, the Corinthians were just 1 Corinthians 6, but look back there at chapter 5, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 5, 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. A common report about the Corinthian believers. That ought to just say, I ain't going to that church. But people did, and that's okay, that, that there is fornication among you. Such fornication as it is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. You know, that is now named among the Gentiles out there. Chapter 6, verse 13. 1 Corinthians six thirteen. Meat for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Isn't that interesting? Paul's going to talk here to the, to the body of Christ, verse 14, and God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Notice it's a question, because evidently the Corinthians were lacking in this area. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that, that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Isn't that interesting? Your body, when God gave you eternal life, he took that physical body of yours, your vessel, he gave you, he makes you who you are in Christ, verse 15 is where we're at, and he takes that physical body, and that physical body literally becomes an extension of the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses that vessel. God's viewpoint, our bodies are, are extensions now of the Lord Jesus Christ. That verse in Colossians, the Godhead bodily. That's why that stuff in 1 Timothy 3 where he talks about the greatest of mystery, God was manifest in the flesh. It's not talking about his birth. He's talking about us today. Why? Because we, his body, his members are extensions of him. So how in the world, how dare you go down there, Corinthians, you and I, and join up with someone, verse 16. I, by the way, verse 15, shall I. <laughs> you see, that's a deep, shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot. That's much more than just a physical situation. That's something deeper on the emotional. You see, God's seeking to restore man to honor and glory and majesty, to become the instruments of righteousness, to become that. Shall I? Boy, that's on a deep deeper spiritual, emotional, not just the activity. Verse 16, what? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that you are, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, 
For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Boy, a powerful description there about that the deeper impact that's happening with your body, the relationship with your body and who you are in Christ and what God's intentions are with that. I hope you see that. It's not just, okay, we're going to go here and fool around and have a one-night stand. There's something going on much deeper. And Paul links it up with uncleanliness. He uses that word lasciviousness. He uses that word concupiscence. He uses those words effeminate. And all all those strong words, adultery, fornication, um... You know the list. I'm not familiar with the list all the time. I've got to read it. Go back to Romans 1. But the thing is, is what Paul is getting at here in Romans 1 as he lays in that charge. Oh, here, here's one. Oh, you got to look at Colossians 3. <laughs> Sorry. I get excited for the bad words, you know. <laughs> Colossians 3. Colossians 3. You see, Romans 1 is demonstrating that ultimate degrading of the body. It takes the spirit and the soul with them. But Paul focuses in on that sexual activity, how it will de- dishonor the body, but it darkens out that soul. So that because, yeah, the body's over, the vile affections are moving the body to do, but that's, that it's just killing all of it. Colossians 3, look at verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, here it is, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. See that inordinate affection? Do you see in that word order, in order? What did he say in Romans 1? They're doing the things that are against, they've changed the nature the natural use. Go back to Romans 1 there, 26. Vile affections for even their women did change the natural use. Verse 27, likewise, having leaving the natural use, they change. What did they do? They messed up the order, inordinate. It's all out of whack. That issue of inordinate, the, the issue there of rule and nature and natural. So they've gone against the natural affection. They've messed, they've darkened it. All right, back to Romans 1. I, I, bring that, I bring this up because it's sitting right here in Romans 1, but that explains why in the list of the works of the flesh, the first four are sexual in nature. I don't know if you've ever wondered why he's always kind of talk, has that going. Because the way that man has his honor and glory manifested in the earth is in that relationship with the husband and the wife. All right, verse 24. Verse 24, they reject God. They do it by dishonoring their body. They move then to a battle, a, a, a war inside. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. That's the issue. They got the number one God themselves. The number one idol that they worship is themselves. One more verse, 1 Peter chapter 2. By the way, it's just not Paul that talks about these, all the other, you know, the Lord talks about it with them and Peter here a little bit does too. 1 Peter 2, look at verse 11. 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. And that's what Paul's doing. He's laid out in Romans 1. He's demonstrated that God judged man appropriately. Man is worthy of wrath. 
God judged man. He left man to himself, probably the worst judgment he could have done. Man took it and ran with it. Now when we come into chapter 2, we'll start next week, man, the defense rises. Man is worthy of wrath. He's worthy of judgment. He took the witness of God in the external and the internal. He's rejected it. He degraded God. He took God, didn't glorify him. He put him down, you know, down as a creeping, crawling thing. And he raised himself up, made himself to be God. So God looked over and said, okay, I'll let you have it. You want it? You got it. And off you go. And I'll be honest with you, just when I, I think about that stuff there in 1 Corinthians 6 about your body, we hear it in the, it's my body, I can do with it what I want. That's an unbelieving statement. That's a statement made, made by man who does not have a clue about the actual use and the proper use of your body. Well, it's my right. No. It's, if you're a believer, it is not your body. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. See? And there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that people get all nervous about. Well, you can't tell me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. The Word of God says that. You want to reject the verses, you go right ahead. I'm just pointing them out to you. you know. And people get upset. They get mad. They go, you can't tell me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying there's some verses that talk about your activity when you use your body in those activities of proper and improper use. And it isn't often talked about. Anyway, we'll start chapter 2 next time. We'll raise the defense and uh, maybe move a little quicker than 18 weeks in one chapter, okay? <laughs> Actually, this was lesson 24, and uh, we've been 24 lessons in the first chapter, so... That's a lot of lesson in one chapter, but I don't want to skip and miss stuff. I just wanted you to see man's gone. All three parts are gone, and then Paul raises that one area where man can honor and glorify God, and that's in the proper use of, the, of bodies, of their bodies, okay? All right, Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, and above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your Son. We give you the praise for that. In your name we pray, amen. All right.